the title of today's message is Our Greatest Gift to God. Our Greatest Gift to God. We've been talking about choices and uh, as believers, we get to make choices, we have choices, and in those choices, we have to choose between setting our mind on things of the flesh or the or setting our mind on things above. In Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to just remind you of this, but go to James chapter 1. Colossians 3.1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So if we've been raised with Christ, then we are to set our minds on things above, not on the things of the earth. And as believers, I just want to remind you, and I, I really love this because I'm starting to hear you guys say this. Uh, we live in two realms. We live in the earthly realm, the the natural realm, the fleshly realm, which is fallen. And we also live in the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm that is holy and pure. We're the only thing that God has made that gets to do that. And so God's desire for us is to be of the world, to be or to be in the world, but not of the world, and to bring heaven to earth. You know, what good is it if you're just living your Christian life based on what you see in the natural and what you understand in the natural? God is inviting us to, to come up, to rise above this level, this earthly realm, and to tap into heaven and then bring it down. You know, and, and we just kind of live like, you know, we're just enduring. We're just waiting until we expire. And that, that's not fun at all. That's not living. But to bring heaven to earth means that we have to set our minds on things above. Where Christ is. Where He's seated at the right hand of God. And, and that's something that He's asked us to do. Setting our minds on Christ. Seated at the right hand of God means that we allow His Word. We allow the Holy Spirit. We allow others to speak into our lives and to lead us and guide us. And not only are we willing to hear God's Word, to hear His voice, but we're also wanting, we're having a longing and a desire to do it. To obey it. Hearing is one thing, seeing is one thing, but doing it is another thing. And that brings me to James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now look, that's, that's worth coming this morning. If you would begin to do that, I promise you, your life would change. We have so many people nowadays, they did, and you can go on Facebook and you know all this internet, and you hear them speak their mind. You know what? They ought to just chill.
quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. In other words, he's saying, look, if you'll give yourself to the word of God, your mind will be transformed. Your mind will begin to be renewed. And trust me, we need that nowadays, right? So we have a responsibility. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Woo, isn't that good? So God has called us to be doers of his word. And, you know, haven't you run into enough people who know the word of God, who can preach the word of, or speak the word of God, rehearse the word of God, but there's no fruit in them? They don't look like the Word of God. They, haven't, they don't sound like the Word of God. And it's because they haven't done what it says. Who cares how much you know if we're not able to be changed and become more and more like Jesus? If we're not able to love like He loves? We have people in the church who have not changed who have not been transformed to the point you're not even sure if they're saved. You're not even sure if they know God. You know, we have that. It's sad how many people think that because God loves us, we can live any way we want. We can live according to our flesh and He just has to put up with it. And then we throw it back. Well, your grace forgives me. I don't want to test that boundary. I don't know what I don't want to know when he's going to become angry with me. And you know, we can look at our world and we think, oh, you know, all the things that are going on, but it also happened in the days of Paul. If you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter five. In reality, it's true in every generation. It was true with Cain and Abel. I mean, it's like, you know, it's so easy to forget God. Paul is going to deal with us about wanting to do our own thing and, and how... We can do our own thing and try and justify it, but Paul's trying to get us to see that, you know what, 
There's a different life that we can live. And in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 19, but it's like there's a word in here that I just want to I'll highlight because it, it just kind of makes me laugh. Okay? Galatians 5.19 Now the works of the flesh are evident. And that's the word. Are evident. Now I'm thinking to myself of all the things that are going on in our world and Paul says this. So he's seeing the same thing that we're seeing. And in his mind he says the work of the flesh is evident. Well, obviously it's not evident because he wouldn't have to say it. I mean, at least the church, it wasn't evident to them. It should have been. And then he points it out. The works of the flesh are evident. And here they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. I'll pause. Anybody, have I described you yet? Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Shall we go on? Paul does, so we will. Verse 21, envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when we engage in these things, we're walking after the flesh. We're walking according to the flesh. And I, I just want to encourage you with this. It takes no effort. And it takes no faith to be able to do those things. It's like it's natural to us. And it is because we live in a fallen world. And, and we have a... Our, our bodies are of this world and they're fallen. And everything around us is fallen. And it's easy for us. It doesn't take any faith or effort to live according to our own feelings and our own thoughts and our own natural sight. You don't have to wake up in the morning and try and figure out which one of those you're going to do. It's just kind of, you can almost do them all without even blinking an eye. And we've all walked in these at one time or another, and we always will. Even if you're a believer, you're still going to do these things. And it's a constant reminder of us that we need more and more of God. You know, you can beat yourself up and you can think of, you know, all this. And, and there's things that we need to stop. But we also need to know that there are constant reminders that we live in two realms. We touch both realms, the natural and the fleshly and the fallen realm. But we also reach, we touch and tap into the spiritual realm, the pure and holy realm. And God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us crucify our flesh and crucify the things of our own making. And then he describes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And see if I describe you now. Galatians 5.22 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We have the opportunity, we have the ability to let these things be produced in us because God has given us the Holy Spirit. What an incredible God. And this is why we're living in these bodies that are corruptible and while we live in a world that needs these fruits to be evident in our lives. But this is also the tension that we live in, the war that we wrestle with as believers. We have a body that makes us fleshly and, and it's fallen, dying world all around us. And yet we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who lives in us and says you can rise above the things of the natural. You don't have to live like the rest of the world lives. And there is a fight that constantly is at battle within us of which we choose who wins. And that is, we deter it is determined by where we set our minds. You're in Galatians 5. Okay, now we started at the bad part and we went to the good part. We're going to go to some other good part in Galatians 5, okay? The verses just before this, verses 16 and 17. Look at what he says here. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How simple is that? You don't want to be fleshly? You don't want to live in a fallen world? And live like the, like the world lives? Then just walk by the Spirit. And he says, if you will walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires, the cravings of the flesh. And how many times have we said, oh God, I just wish I could stop this. You can. You can. You start walking by the Spirit. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, how do you walk uh, by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh? You know, in other words, Paul's saying you have the ability to crucify the flesh. And the best way to crucify your flesh is just walk in the Spirit. And Paul has told us, we've been going over this. How do you walk by the Spirit? You set your mind on things above. In Colossians, it says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. If you want to live a victorious Christian life, then walk by the Spirit. Or, you can live as a victim of this world, doing nothing to change your mind. 
Because walking by the Spirit means that you're going to change your mind. You're going to change the way you think. You're going to change what you hear. You're going to change what you see and how you see them. You're going to be able to understand things from heaven and not just from the natural sight, not just from the natural hearing. And so we have a fight of faith, but it could also be a fight of sight. What are we setting our minds on? What are we looking at? You know, I haven't mentioned this in a long time, so it's, it's worth mentioning again. When we first met here or came here, and I remember at the um, cleaning store, they had a marquee out there, and it said, what you look for is exactly what you're going to find. And that's true. If you look for evil, if you look for bad, if you look for negative stuff, guess what? That's all you're going to see. You ever bought a new car or something new, got a new phone, and then all of a sudden you see all these other cars that have been out there for a long time, and you think, oh, I'm just noticing them. Because you've set your mind on it. And so what you set your mind on, you're going to find. And so we have this fight of faith and are we going to live according to the Spirit of God or are we going to live and, uh, according to and give in to our fleshly desires? To win the fight and to crucify our flesh, then we have to set our mind on things of the Spirit, on things above. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 12, please. And we've been looking at this. And um, I wanted to bring this to a conclusion this week. Because we're going into the Thanksgiving season. And, you know, we need to also realize that we have something to offer back to God. And that's why I want us to understand this is the greatest gift that we can give to God. And, and hopefully you've figured it out. But if not, I'll give it to you in just a second. But we've been looking at it about this the past few weeks. Paul in Romans chapter 8. And Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30 talk about where we're setting our mind. Philippians chapter 4, we read last week that we're to think on these things. That's our responsibility is to think on those things. If you don't think on them, you're not going to change. And then we read out of Galatians and Ephesians how that we are through Christ, we're heirs of God with Christ Jesus. And an heir is a good thing. That means God has great things in store for you. More than you could imagine or ask or think. And, you know, as believers, one of the things that I see is we really know how to make things hard. Much harder than what they really need to be. We complicate God so much. He's very simple. Like salvation, how much easier can it get? Either you believe in Jesus as your sacrifice, or you don't. That's pretty simple, right? You don't have a million choices you got to decide from. One choice. How simple is that? And we'll make it more complicated. And I know that we have to contend with our fleshly nature and all of its desires, we have to contend with all of our insecurities that we have. And I haven't met anybody who doesn't have insecurities. 
Okay? And then we all have to contend with our with the dysfunction of our families. I haven't met a family yet that's not dysfunctional. As soon as sin came in and through the fall, then all of this, we all have to contend with that. But we don't need to make it harder. And it's simple. To overcome all of that is simple. It is putting faith in Jesus Christ. And just as salvation is a step of faith, then our responsibility is to continue to grow in that faith. And we grow in that faith by getting to know God, getting to know His Word, getting to know the Holy Spirit, trusting in Him, surrounding ourselves with people who will speak to us and and help us and be a support to us. And we, we grow in our faith by taking one step at a time. Salvation is a step. Well, the rest of your growing in your faith is going to be one step at a time. We have these people who want to be super spiritual Christians, but they won't even take a step of faith to get to know God and His Word. We have to understand that to become what God wants us to become, it's a process, but it's a process that begins with one step at a time. And a while back, and I don't even know when it was, but I listen to this message all the time now because I'm just in awe of it. And the preacher said that, he said the greatest gift that you can offer to God is a renewed mind. And I thought at first, man, that sounds weird because I thought the greatest gift that we were supposed to offer to God is to love Him and to love ourselves and and to love others like we love ourselves. But the greatest gift is a renewed mind. I have to agree with Him. now. His reasoning is, is because If you don't renew your mind, you can't know God and love Him like He wants you to. If we don't renew our minds, because we don't, then we won't know God and we won't know His love, then we won't love ourselves knowing that God loves us first. Not after we've been cleaned up, not after we've gotten our life together and we've pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. No. He loves us because we're made in His image. And if we don't renew our mind, it'll be impossible for us not only to enter into the love that God has for us so that we can love ourselves, then we won't be able to love our neighbors either. Because if we don't love God to be able to figure out that He loves us, how are we going to love our neighbor and give that away? That only happens from a renewed mind. In Romans chapter 12, Verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
this is our responsibility. That we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. You know, we, we have worship and, and grateful for that, but this is your spiritual act of worship. Is to be a living sacrifice for God. And how do we become that? Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're to become a living sacrifice for God. Holy and acceptable. Do you know that that almost sounds contradictory? A living sacrifice. Because a sacrifice is something that's dead or getting ready to die. And we're to be living sacrifices. Ooh. In other words, he's trying to get us to see we need to be people who are living but we're not living to the world. We're not living according to the world's standards. We're not getting offended by everything that the world has to say. We're not getting uh, set off course by the things that happen in our life that are of this world. We're a living sacrifice. In other words, we're, we're becoming dead to the things that will prevent us from becoming all that God wants us to be. And we're living unto God, but we're dying unto the things of this world. In other words, you want to be angry at somebody because they cut you off in traffic. Not that we have some here. That's why I like it here. <laughs> I remember when we first moved here, my sisters asked me, they said, well, when are you going to move to Virginia Beach? Because that's where I'm originally from. And I said, I'll let you know when I'm going to move to Virginia Beach. And I said, that's real easy. And they said, well, when? I said, when you get rid of all those people. Way too many people there. And they're crazy. And they drive like they're crazy. And when you have a bunch of crazy drivers all together, uh, not when I can live here in Burlington, I'll take the snow. I am. Uh, and years ago, my father-in-law was preaching on this and his thing was, is his analogy was, is you get in on a get on an op operating table and, and you're always throwing yourself off before the doctor has the opportunity to do surgery on you. He said, if you're a living sacrifice, then you're going to lay there and you're going to be still while God works on you. Mm. So the three things. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, we have to present our bodies to God. We have to say, God, here I am. Use me. You know, we sang the song, I want to be a sanctuary. God, I want to be a sanctuary for you. Okay, do you really? Then stop. Be still for a moment. Let Him work on you. But we're the ones who have to present, God, I want to be used by you. And then we'll always throw in these words, but I'm not sure that we always mean any way you want. 
I'll do anything, God. Will you? Will you lay still on that table? Number two, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, he's saying that we're not to pattern our lives after the sinful flesh or the desires of the sinful ways of this world by accepting whatever they throw at us. You know, the world, if you listen to the world, you will lose your mind. You will absolutely lose. And it's so hard now to know who you are according to the world. And God just makes it real simple. And that's why he says, don't be conformed to the world and the ways of the world. And then number three, he says, to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And there's only one way to be transformed. Renew your mind. Now look, you might think coming to church will renew your mind. You might think giving will renew your mind. You might think praying will renew your mind. You might think worship will renew your mind. You might think all of those things, but it does. transformation happens when we renew our minds. That means that we have to give ourselves to the Word of God. We have to give ourselves. We have to purpose. We have to be intentional to follow after His ways and His purposes for our life. To be completely submitted to God in His ways. And his plans for us. To allow God's word to be the source of our direction. Not our feelings or the way of this fallen world. We don't have to let them define us. We are not to live under the influence of the ways of this fallen world. And allow the world to bring us our identity. Our identity needs to come from God. And the renewed mind is always seeking. And asking God. It's always desiring to walk in His ways. And to know God and His Word. And to be willing to submit to it no matter what. The renewed mind comes to know that God has my very best in mind. Nobody thinks of a greater plan for my life than God does. And when I tap into that, then I am... I'll rise above whatever this world has to offer. And it's such a much better life. He has the best for my life. He has what is best in store for me to live. And he offers me the renewed mind, offers me the ability to rise above my own thoughts and my own ways and to find gods which are much higher and will cause us to rise up. I'm so grateful for that invitation out of Isaiah. When he says that his ways are so much higher than ours and his thoughts are so much higher than ours. That's true. You keep thinking on your thoughts and you're going to be depressed. You will be. If you'll turn back with me to Galatians chapter 5, please. I just want to kind of show you this in a practical way, hopefully. Paul is telling us, and he says, do not conform to the world, 
But he's also telling us to be transformed. Now look, I know it's an option for you. But it's not an option in God's mind. He wants us to be transformed. He expects us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so without living with a renewed mind and being transformed, we can never accomplish what God desires and we can never become all that He has created us to become. Now, in Galatians 5, we've read this earlier, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so I just want to share with you for a moment. It is impossible for us to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives without living a transformed life by the renewing of our minds. We cannot produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of you. Your fruit is the verses above this. The works of the flesh. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is this. But I'm telling you, unless you renew your mind and are willing to be transformed, it's never going to happen in your life. Now, we may have moments, too, where we love somebody and we look at it and we think, man, that was a miracle. But it doesn't last. And you may be able to do some of these, but it's not going to last unless you renew your mind. So let's look at these fruits just quickly and then we're going to receive communion. How do we, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, how does that love come out? We always understand. We come to the place where we understand that God loves me first. Now, I'm not saying that He loves me first over you. I'm just saying I first have to know He loves me. When I understand that God loves me and I'm settled in that, then guess what? I can love others. But you only know that God loves you by renewing your mind according to His Word. By listening to the Holy Spirit. I remember years ago when I struggled with trying to figure out why God loved me. And finally, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, would you quit trying to figure it out and just let me? And I say that to you. Will you just let Him love you? He's not like anybody else you know. You know, we, we have all these barriers up because we've been hurt so much. Okay. Who hasn't been? The renewed mindset. And you know what? It was a process in my life. It took time for me to submit to Him the fact that He loved me. But what a relief when you realize that He loves you. Even before I was cleaned up. Even before they took the scales off of me. He loved me. Man, what a relief. Joy. I mean, in all of these, I'm just like tipping the iceberg. I'm not even getting deep into this. But 
You can have joy in this life because you're reminded by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that this is not your home. Your body that you're in isn't even going to be the one you're going to have in heaven. Hallelujah! So we can be a people of joy. But if you don't know that, if you don't know that this is not your final home, you're not going to have joy. The renewed mind allows us to have this joy. And not only that, we can walk through life and whatever circumstances come our way, guess what? We can handle it with joy. Not, and I'm not saying denying what is before you, but we can walk at it and look at it with joy because we know God is working a greater thing in us. How many times does Paul tell the church and James and Peter pick up on this as well? He's, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you're going through suffering. Now look, if you don't renew your mind, you can't understand that. Because we're all going to suffer in this world sooner or later. But the renewed mind says, I'm going to be alright. I'm going to make it. And then we get the cherry on top. And if I don't make it, then I really hit the jackpot. Peace. We have peace. But you don't have peace if you don't have a renewed mind. Peace that says again, it's like joy. God's got His best for me. The enemy may mean it for evil, but God means it for my good. That's what the re renewed mind says. But if you don't know that, and if you're not walking in it, if you're just looking at the Word of God and you're not putting it into practice, then you're just frustrated. We can have peace because we know that we can trust God in all things. Doesn't matter what comes our way. We can trust God. But we have to know this. Patience. You know, let's just face it. We'll never have a great measure of patience without having a renewed mind. I mean, you ever try to be patient? You know, here's what we do when we want to be patient. We find the people that we like. We start hanging around them more than anybody else. We find the people that are going to make our life easy and good and they're going to tell us the things we want to hear about ourselves. Because otherwise we're not very patient. And look at the world. The world is not patient at all anymore. That fruit is not coming from the world. It can't. But see... The renewed mind says, you know what? God has had patience with me. It's His patience and His kindness that leads me to salvation. Wow, if He's been patient and kind with me, then guess what? I can be patient and kind with others. Even the ones that are hard. You know, Paul in his writings and Peter, both of them, 
You know, hey, endure. Be patient with those who are harsh towards you. And he wasn't trying to fix slavery either. He said, slaves, obey the Lord. Trust in the Lord at all times. So even if they make life hard for you, it's okay. You can have peace. You can have patience. You can have joy. You can love your crazy boss. Kindness. You see, when we come to the place where we understand how kind God has been to us, then we can be kind to others. But we don't get that unless we're reading His Word. You know, I am so grateful for the kindness that God has shown me. Goodness. I, it's the same thing. You know, I am amazed at how good God has been to me. To me. It, it's staggering. It's beyond comprehension. And would you agree with me that the world could use a little bit more goodness? But we understand this when we're renewing our mind according to the Word of God. Faithfulness. And this is the total opposite of how the world is with their selfishness. I mean, faithfulness. Try to hire somebody nowadays. They can only work so many times, you know. It's all about them. They don't want to be faithful. And we can read God's Word and we see how faithful He's been to us. We see how He's been there through all the things that we've gone through. And there's plenty of them. And yet God is faithful. And if He's faithful, then I know I can be faithful. Gentleness. You know, the world has no way of being gentle on its own. It's impossible according to Galatians chapter 5. And yet, God says, I, let's be gentle. And if you want a good book on this, I would go to Ephesians and 1 Peter. Because they talk about gentleness and and when Paul talks about gentleness, he's, he's always in reference to the gentleness of God towards us. And because God has been gentle towards us, because He has loved us, and He has shown His kindness towards us, then that's what we're to do for others. We're to allow the Holy Spirit to be released in our lives and, and show that to others. The last one, self-control. We cannot have self-control without being transformed. By renewing our minds. You can try as hard as you want. But if you want. And you need self control in your life. And you do. And it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Then renew your mind. Begin to renew your mind. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. It, it, when you go to work tomorrow. And, and you want to become angry. And, and you want to lose self control. You know what? You can just pray. and You say God. You know what? I want the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. And you're telling me that I need to be. In self-control. So Father today I submit myself. That I'm going to walk in control. We're, we're going to control Richard today. 
He's got a tough job, but he can do it. He's up for it when we give ourselves to it. And so I just want to tell you, there's only one person that has ever walked the face of the earth that has all of these qualities, and his name is Jesus. And I don't have time to get into it, which I really wanted to, but I think you'll get it. You'll figure it out. You can find the scriptures on your own when you're renewing your mind. (laughs) You know, Jesus was all of this, but why was he all of this? Because his mind was on the Father. You know, when he met the woman at the well in John chapter 4, it's because he sent his disciples away and then to eat. And when they came back, they were worried about him because he hadn't eaten. He said, look, he said, you don't know what I'm eating on, what I'm feeding on. He said, me and the father, we just had a great time. And you can go and look for yourself. I'm not making it up. When they would ask Jesus, you know, this good teacher, and and he corrects him. He says, well, well, wait a minute. This used to bother me too. Then I realized what he was saying. There's no one good except the Father. And what he was saying is, if you see anything good come from my life, it comes from him. And then when he was doing all the miraculous things that he did, he was like, well, how did you do that? Well, I only say what I hear the Father speaking first. Woo! What would happen if we did that? Well, how come you're saying that? Don't you know I need to be about my father's business? He spoke with such authority. Don't you know I heard it from him first? And the things that he's doing. Well, how come you did that, Jesus? Well, I'm only doing that because I saw the father do it. So what Jesus did, he saw the Father doing first. What he spoke, he heard the Father speak first. And so he walked, not that he had to renew his mind, but he walked with his mind set on things above. He, he walked hearing the voice of the Father. Seeing the things that the Father was doing. And so I want to encourage us, without being transformed by the renewing of our minds, we will never be what God has called us to be. It's impossible. And then, so I want us to get that, but I also want you to know, if you're trying to pacify the flesh, that's not what Christianity is all about. God calls us to crucify the flesh. Not pamper it. Not make it feel good. Not to feel sorry for it. Crucify it. And the way we crucify the flesh is to walk according to the Spirit. So if you want to present the greatest gift to God in thanksgiving for what He has done, then you have to renew your mind. You have to renew your mind. 